Thanks for listening. The following audio is a teaching from Calvary Tucson's Young Adult Ministry, Ignition. For more teachings, information, or if you'd like to support our ministry, please visit us online at ignitiontucson.com. We pray you're blessed by the message. Father, we thank you for the blessing of love and life and friendship and fellowship. Lord, we thank you for the gift of church family. We thank You for ignition, Lord. This is a place that You have established. Uh, This isn't any one person's doing or even uh, up to the team. And I thank You and praise You for the team that you've, You've built here. But ultimately, Lord, You put this together. This is Your design. And we desire to keep it as You intend us to keep it, Lord God. And that is with You at the focus, You at the center, Your Word of God uh, at our interest, and Lord Jesus Christ exalted and worshiped. And as we do that, we do believe that you're going to move in mighty ways and we want to continue to do this uh, until the day that you return for us, that we would worship you and that we would stay connected with you through your word. And as we look to the pages of the scriptures tonight in Genesis 46, we ask God that your Holy Spirit would be our instructor once again, that you would give us what we need. You would spiritually edify us, Lord, feed your kids, uh, that we would grow spiritually to the conformity, to the likeness of Christ. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as we've made our way through the lives of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, we've been able to see the Lord directing them. And we, I don't know about you, but I've learned a lot about how God works in the lives of those who walk in faith. I've learned a lot about how God directs those who want to follow Him through the lives of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And tonight, we're going to see God is faithful to continue to direct Jacob and to assure Jacob that he is with him. We've kind of had this long uh, storyline taking place with Joseph. We've forgotten that Jacob, the third patriarch of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, he's still a part of the scene. He now comes back into the picture tonight, and we see God's faithfulness continue in his life. And we're going to look at that, and we're going to talk a bit about how God will direct us today. Ways in which we'll look for God to be uh, a God who comes alongside us and offers confirmation and assurance and direction. We'll look at that example here in this chapter. Now, it hasn't been an easy life of faith for Jacob. And we should understand that, that the walk of faith is not always an easy walk. In fact, trials and tribulations still come your way. The walk of faith is not always a simple walk. Sometimes God will call you to make very difficult decisions. And we've seen that in the life of Jacob. And Jacob has experienced tremendous grief. I'd say that for most parents, the worst nightmare would be losing a child. And I've actually come alongside numerous parents in the church here who have lost children. And I'll tell you, the grief that a parent experiences in the loss of a child is a unique grief. It is a unique level of pain. I won't say it's the worst because all death is difficult and all grief is hard, but it is a unique level of pain when when a parent has to say goodbye to their child. And Jacob has experienced that nightmare. It came true when he lost Joseph some 20 years prior to Genesis 46, what we're going to see tonight. But guess what? In tonight's chapter, his nightmare becomes untrue. And we've been building up to this point, and tonight we finally get to see their grand reunion. Last chapter, we saw Joseph, and he reconciled with his brothers. And he's the head of of Egypt now. He's rich beyond measure. What he does is he sends his brothers back home to Hebron, where Jacob was dwelling, with chariots full of riches and supplies for the purpose 
of bringing Jacob back to Egypt to live in the land of Goshen. He's like, go, bring dad back here. You guys are going to move here. God is going to protect you guys here. And as they show up to Jacob, it took a moment for him to believe them. I mean, it was pretty outlandish news that Joseph was alive and was the prince of all Egypt. So it took a while for it to set in. And he saw the chariots. He saw all the riches. And he's like, it must be true. And in that moment, it struck him. And the Bible says that when he, when he realized they were telling the truth about Joseph, it said that it revived his spirit. His spirit revived in him. Jacob did. And I picture like that movie Willy Wonka. You know the grandpa? That's like bedridden for like 20 years, just laying in bed. And all of a sudden, Charlie gets his golden ticket. And then he jumps out of bed. And he's doing the Charleston with his cane. It's like, where was that? His spirit was revived. That's exactly what's happened to Jacob. He was like ready to die, laying in bed, and all of a sudden, like, they got the golden ticket. Joseph's alive, right? And so he's like, let's get up and let's go on. We're going we're gonna to go to Egypt and we're going to see my son before I die. And so that's where we pick it up tonight, verse 40, uh, uh, chapter 46 in verse 1 here. It says, so Israel, that's Jacob, took his journey with all that he had and came back to Beersheba, and offered sacrifices to the God of his father, Isaac. So Jacob's like, we're going, we're doing this. He packs up everything that he has and everyone that he has, and he heads down to Egypt. But first he makes a pit stop in Beersheba. That's where the QTs, his favorite truck stops were, that have really good steak in Beersheba. No, it's not because of that at all. It's because Beersheba, not only was it on the way, but this was where he grew up. This is where Jacob grew up. So this, for him, this was like a trip down memory lane. And in a sense, you kind of get a sense that he's, he's waiting on the Lord as well for confirmation as he's heading toward Egypt. He stops in Beersheba and he offers the sacrifice. But as he's, as he's checking out Beersheba, you could imagine all these memories coming back, like the, the tree that his grandpa Abraham planted. Perhaps it was still there, right? The, the, the new owners of the house painted it a different color. That's kind of weird, but you have to get used to it. That schoolhouse is a lot smaller than he remembered it. You know all the things that happen to you when you go drive past your old houses where you grew up. He's experiencing all of these things. And perhaps, we don't know for sure, but perhaps he came upon the altar that Isaac would use, that his father would use in the worship of God. And he's like, I want to worship God. And so he, on that altar, or on another altar, we don't know for sure, he, he decides he's going to worship God here in Beersheba. And I've got to believe this was an amazing moment of worship for Jacob. A moment of gratefulness. If you think about how happy he is, he's about to see his son that's been dead to him for 20 years. And so I picture this moment of grateful worship before the Lord, anticipating what God, this new future that he never thought he would experience. Not only that, but looking back on the past, all that God had done as a boy growing up in Beersheba, sending him out to find a wife and all that. It must have been a sweet time of worship for him. And in that moment, verse 2, God shows up. It says, God spoke to Israel in visions of the night and said, Jacob, Jacob. And he said, here I am. Then he said, I am God, the God of your father. Do not be afraid to go down to Egypt, for there I will make you into a great nation. I myself will go down with you to Egypt. I'll be with you, Jacob. I will also bring you up again I will bring you back to the promised land is what he's saying. And Joseph's hand shall close your eyes. Now this is, as far as we know, the last 
confirmation and, and the last time God spoke directly uh, to Jacob. And he says, look, I'm going to be with you to the end. And this is what's going to happen. You're going to go to Egypt. You will be brought back to the promised land eventually. We know that that happens in his, after he dies. They bury him at the cave of Machpelah with Abraham and Isaac. And then he says, Joseph will be the one to close your eyes. Your favorite, your beloved son will be with you till the end. And I got to say, that's probably the best way to go out. As an old man, old woman, full of years, surrounded by your children, surrounded by your grandchildren, knowing that you're loved, seeing the legacy you're leaving behind and being able to depart from this earth in such a way. What a blessing for Jacob. What a blessing. So as he's worshiping the Lord, uh, he shows up in the middle of the night, these night visions, to assure him that, hey, you're doing the right thing in going to Egypt. This is, I am in this. Continue to head this way. You're heading in the right direction. And as I said, we, we learn a ton about these instances where God shows up to direct somebody of the faith in the Old Testament. So let's take a little bit of time and let's look at this vision from the Lord. Because there's a lot here, what God said to, J- to Jacob uh, in this vision. The first thing I noticed when I read this was that he did not assure Jacob before he left for Egypt. He assured Jacob on the way. And it reminded me that so oftentimes when God seeks to confirm in your heart or bring you assurance in your step of faith, He'll wait till you step out. We get a peace from the Lord. We'll get a stirring from the Lord to do something. But oftentimes He wants us to exercise that faith. You see, if God gave you all the confirmation and all the assurance you needed and all the plans that that you wanted to have solidified, it wouldn't be a step of faith. You'd be stepping out into everything that you could see. It wouldn't be a, a step into the unknown. Remember the call on Abraham. He said, go to a land I will show you. He was stirred up and sent out. And God's like, I'll show you along the way. I always, whenever I see this principle, I always think of my good friend in Florida, Eric Souza, who left Calvary Tucson to church plant out there, Reach Jacksonville. It's an awesome church. He's a great teacher. You should check out his website, Reach Jacks. He's got a podcast. But he told me after he went out, maybe a year or two after he went out, he's like, Sean, I, we felt stirred to come out here. We felt like we were supposed to be out here. But you know what? I didn't get the real confirmation that we were supposed to be here until I got here. He's like, that's when God really started to show me all the needs and the ways in which I, uh, I was supposed to meet those needs. And that's, that's so true. So often. If we receive all the assurance before we go, it's not faith. It's not faith. We're only trusting in what we can see. But as we do step out, guys, as you step out with simply an inkling and a peace from God, but not knowing what lies ahead, let me tell you, that is where your faith is demonstrated. And that pleases God. Apart from faith, it's impossible to please God, is what Hebrews says. And you please God when you say, Lord, I have enough to know I want to honor you and that you're in this. And guess what? God is faithful to show up and confirm. So not only does it demonstrate your faith, it exercises your faith. And as God shows up, it increases your faith. And we see that with Jacob throughout his whole life. So Jacob steps out and God shows up here in Beersheba to tell him, hey, it's a good thing that you're going to Egypt. It's a good thing that you're doing this. This would be very significant confirmation for Jacob for another reason as well. Remember the covenant that God made with Abraham and that God made with Isaac. The Abrahamic covenant. 
was that Abraham would go to a land God would show him, a new land. This land would be the promised land. And the covenant pertained to them dwelling in this land. In other words, the gospel message that they knew in their day was dwell in the promised land. Physically live there. That's how significant it was to live in the land of Canaan. So you could see for Jacob, now this call to go down to Egypt, it could feel like he is violating God's covenant. It could potentially be a conflict of faith for him. Right? Remember Abraham. Abraham did the same thing, and it was bad. It was a bad thing. There was famine in the land of Canaan. Abraham fled to Egypt for security, for safety, for provisions, and it was a bad thing. It was the wrong thing to do. God had to supernaturally protect him and get him out of that situation. Why was it wrong? Because it was not of faith. Because God never told him to go down to Egypt. And here we have Jacob doing the same exact thing, is he not? Famine in the, in the promised land. F- going to Egypt for safety and security and provisions. Only this time, it's the right thing to do. Why? Because it's of faith. Because God told him to do it. Romans 14 tells us that whatever is not of faith is sin. Whatever is not of faith in your life, any action or decision you make that is apart from your faith, God says it's sin. This chapter is pertaining to like gray area issues. For them and for in Romans, it was, should I eat meat from the markets? Because I know a lot of those meats are sacrificed to idols. Um, or, you know, drinking wine or whatever it would be, these gray area issues for the Romans. He comes down and boils it down and says, whatever is not of faith is sin. And that's a good principle to live by. There are certain things that two guys like Abraham and Jacob could do the same thing, but for one it could be bad, and for the other it could be good. And the difference is faith. The difference is whether or not it was done in obedience to God, whether it was done in trusting the Lord, or whether it was done in not trusting the Lord. You guys have a lot of decisions to make in this season of life. Should I date this person, or should I remain single? Should I pursue this career Should I go to school? Should I do some missions with the season of life that I'm in and really be able to focus on the Lord? Should I buy this car or move to that town? A lot of big decisions you guys have in this season of life. And I want to tell you, as you process these decisions, ask yourself the question, which one causes me to trust God? Or which one is just me taking control of things? Am I in that relationship with that person because I'm afraid God's not going to bring someone along? So I'm taking matters into my own hands? Or has God brought this person along? And it's a good fit for your faith. Am I taking that career because I want to take control and I'm afraid to trust God with my financial provisions? Or do I know this has been provided by God and I'm trusting God to walk into it? These things aren't right or wrong in the Scriptures, black and white. However, It could be wrong for you or it could be right depending on whether or not you do it in faith. Now, there are some things that are just sin, outright sin, no matter who does them, no matter when they're done. Murdering an innocent person will always be wrong because it's inherently wrong, because it's dangerous and damaging. Your faith, your genuine faith, will never lead you to kill an innocent person. Sexual immorality will always be wrong, sex outside of marriage, because your faith will never lead you 
to do that. Your mind will, your body will, the world will, but the Lord will never lead you into sex outside of marriage, no matter what form it's in, right? There are just certain things that are not what God has for you. But in these areas where there's nothing inherently wrong with it, but you really are wrestling, like, what, do, what does God want me to do? Make sure that you're led by faith. And you might be wondering, well, how do I do that? Like, how, do I, how, am I, how am I certain that God is the one leading me to do this? Or it's not my, it's not my own imagination. Well, I want to spend a little bit of time here, and I want to give you something, a helpful tool that I was given when I was a new believer. It's called the five CSs. I didn't invent this. Uh, I was given this back in 2004 when I got saved. And it has stuck with me, and it's been a useful tool that I want to give to you. So if you're taking notes, and if you've never heard this before, I encourage you to write this down. Five ways in which God primarily will speak to us, to His people. Five CSs. The first CS is the commanding Scripture. And I'll tell you, as I'm giving you these, they are in order of significance. The commanding Scripture is the number one way in which God intends to speak to you. It's the clearest and most direct way is what He's already said in His Word. Every other CS coming after this will have to align with this first one, the commanding Scripture. What has God said in His Word? And if you don't know His Word, then you don't know the Lord. And you don't know God's will for your life. It's that significant. You may be a new believer. You've just received the Lord. Uh, you may be walking with the Lord for a little while and you feel like you know the Lord because of these feelings you get, because of some sermons you've listened to. But if you do not have the Word of God in your heart and in your mind, then you don't know all that you need to know to walk in God's will. Now, the Gospel is all you need to know for salvation. I'll say that. But the Gospel will lead you to understand the full Bible. We like to say it takes a full Bible to make a complete Christian, to make a well-rounded, complete Christian. Everything, every word in these pages, God intended in there for you to read and understand and know. So the commanding Scripture is number one. The second CS is the compelling Spirit. The, compelling, the, the Holy Spirit's work in your life. And this works in tandem with the Word of God. You could read the, the Bible as a supernatural book or as a natural man trying to figure things out and it's not going to do a lot for you, but when you couple it with the, command, with the um, compelling spirit, God starts to speak to you. I'll tell you what this looks like in my life. I'm reading and all of a sudden, God starts putting things on my heart or put, He'll put somebody on my heart or He'll convict me about something I need to change. I'll be sitting in a sermon with my mind ready to receive from God, and I'm listening to the sermon, sometimes God will speak something to me that has not, is not even pertaining to the sermon. But I've made myself available. That's the Holy Spirit working in my heart and in my mind. The Spirit will come alongside and confirm you and convict you and, and guide and direct you and give you a peace about something. This, the third CS is the counsel of the saints. The counsel of the saints. God not only can speak to you through other believers, but He intends to speak to you through other believers. Christianity is designed as a community faith. You are not supposed to be Christian by yourself. You're, you're intended to be plugged into other Christians' lives, communicating with them, so that when you come to ignition and you have that big decision that you need to make, and you start talking to other believers, other believers, by the way, who, have, who know the Word of God, and you have the Holy Spirit. 
they'll give you feedback. And God will use other Christians to speak into your life. Oh, you're thinking about doing that? Yeah, man, that sounds awesome. That sounds like the Lord's leading you to something amazing. Or they'll say, hey, hey you, you should probably think twice about the decision you're about to make, right? Run it by other people. Run it by other Christians. The counsel of the saints. Now, these other two, I will say, aren't as strong, but there are ways in which God will speak to you. The, the fourth CS is common sense. Common sense. God has given you a brain, and He's called us to exercise wisdom. We can learn. So for day to day, like you don't need uh, the voice of God to speak to you to tell you what socks to wear, right? You can use common sense. And it's going to be cold outside, so I'm going to wear my woolly socks. But you also need to be, be aware of common sense that sometimes common sense can get in the way of your faith. I'll just say this. Because sometimes your common sense is looking for logic and faith isn't always logical. So common sense is a good way that God will lead you and direct you, but it's not always. Sometimes God will lead you to do something that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. So just be forewarned. But day to day, common sense is a good thing. Right? And then the, the fifth CS is circumstantial signs. Circumstantial signs. Uh, one example for me is uh, a year ago when we were praying and fasting about a new season that God would have for us, uh, we were specifically thinking about a few churches and we weren't trying to leave uh, what we're doing here because we love it here, my wife and I and my, my family, but we had some friends doing church plants, various friends. And so we said, okay, Lord, if you want us to be a part of any of these, we're going to pray, pray and fast and we want you to speak to us and just confirm. We just want to be open-handed essentially. And at the end of the prayer and fasting, we didn't hear really anything about the churches we were considering. And then out of the blue, I get a call from uh, a pastor out in Springfield where some of, where many of you know, I'm, I'm, I'm actually moving in the springtime to Springfield, Missouri to go work for this church. But it was a circumstantial sign that we, we sought the Lord. And then out of the blue, this pastor who I've been in touch with for a long time says, hey, uh, this is what's happening. And so to me, it was like, it wasn't everything. It was something I wanted to test over time and pray about. But it was one circumstantial sign that I thought, maybe the Lord is in this. And He has confirmed that over time. But that's just an example. Now we see this in the life of Jacob, right? He has the commanding Scripture. He knows the covenant of Abraham. So he knows the promised land is significant. I need to not leave the promised land hastily but he would also know the command to Abraham from God that says, you will come out of the promised land and you will be, your people will grow and be oppressed by another nation. So this is not contrary to God's word. Being called to go to Egypt at this time. Uh, he's used the compelling spirit. I mean, God showed up to speak to him. The Holy Spirit speaking to him as well. The council of the saints, his, his sons are all like, Pop, this is the right thing to do. We should go. We, should, we need to go down there. Common sense. Yeah, if we stay, we're all going to starve to death. We should go. Circumstantial signs. Well, it just so happens that we're starving in the land of Canaan, but my son is now the most powerful man in Egypt with all the grain we could ever want. That's not a coincidence. right? He had all five going for him in this. So I hope that helps you as you guys seek uh, to make big decisions right now in this season of life. The Lord assures Jacob... And he says, hey, this is not contrary to my covenant. I'm using this to fulfill my promise, actually. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bring you back into the land of Canaan. 
Hey everyone, Pastor Sean here. You've been listening to a teaching from Ignition Tucson, the Young Adults Ministry of Calvary Tucson. Our hope is that through this ministry, your heart would be ignited to live boldly for Christ. If you live in the greater Tucson area and you're between the ages of 18 and 28, we want to invite you out to join us in person. We meet every Thursday at 6.30 p.m. at Calvary Tucson's East Campus on Speedway and Camino Seco. We hope to see you there. God bless.